Today's episode is brought to you by Ama Waterways, an award-winning and family-owned company. It will become the first major river cruise line to explore Colombia with two newly designed ships setting sail for the magnificent Magdalena River in the spring and summer of 2024. As a pioneer in the river cruise industry, Ama Waterways caters to a growing demand for millennial travelers and multi-generational families and continues its leadership in active river cruising with the introduction of the first full-size pickleball court on board their most spacious and luxurious ship, Ama Magna. The Luxury River Cruise Line also recently enhanced sustainability efforts to reduce food waste as well as the installation of solar panels aimed to further reduce fuel consumption. I'll discuss these important topics and many more with Ama Waterways co-founder and executive vice president Christine Karst during next week's podcast. Join us to learn more about the latest trends in the travel industry and how Ama Waterways is pioneering a new future for river cruising. What's up, everyone? Today is Tuesday, May 2nd. Happy Travel Tuesday out there. I hope you had a better weekend than I did. No, I am not in Puerto Rico, like I mentioned in last week's show. We had a bit of a house emergency here as a pipe burst in the middle of the night while sleeping, and my wife was sleeping. I was actually not home. I was on an office visit to New Jersey, as I mentioned last week. So, uh, unfortunately, that is life, and we must roll with it. Our downstairs flooded. We'll need new floors. But that's enough about my house. But I, I did have to cancel going to Asta with everything going on here as I needed to be home and with family. But hey, the show must go on. And we have pivoted here to make it work, squeezing in this recording here in between handyman appointments around the house. So we got a great show talking big news around the world of travel. And joining me on the show now is travel advisor Ryan Donches of VIP Vacations. Welcome back to the show, man. Thank you for joining on such short notice as we pivot here during the uh, uncertain times that is my household. <laughs> the uncertain times of your household to go with the what used to be uncertain times of our globe. Right. Hey, yeah, but things are trending better in the travel side of things. Not for me. I didn't get to travel this week, as I said, but hey, you know, that's it is what it is, and we roll with life as it comes, right, friends? So uh, uh, Ryan and I are going to discuss the value of a travel advisor later on in the show and how they can do so much for you and help when things go wrong. That's you know very key for my life at this moment uh, when things go wrong, right? So, But first, before we get into that, as we do for every episode, in case this happens to be the first time you're listening to the podcast here, we're going to dive into what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week. And we begin with a new report that just came out this morning, actually, uh, from um, Associated Press dropped this uh, from a government watchdog saying that uh, the FAA overruled engineers and they let Boeing 737 MAX keep flying. So some engineers for the Federal Aviation Administration wanted to ground the Boeing 737 MAX soon after that second deadly crash, but top officials in the agency overruled them, according to a government watchdog. The Inspector General of the Transformation Transportation Department excuse me, said in a new report that the FAA officials wanted to sort out raw data about the two crashes and held off grounding the plane despite growing international pressure. One engineer made a preliminary estimate that the chance of another MAX crash was more than 13 times greater than the FAA risk guidelines allow, and an FAA official said that the analysis suggested that there was a 25% chance of an accident in 60 days if no changes were made to the plane. So... Not great hearing all that. Ryan, what are your thoughts? Well, first, obviously those stats are really scary. Um, and I think if there was a lot of truth behind them, or I mean, maybe more truth than doubt, the, the laws probably would have been changed. But we also haven't had that plane crash within 60 days. So it's, it's tough. It's tough to talk about. And both of the airlines that it happened to, while being seemingly major airlines, are not 
major, major, major airlines. Um, if you follow my drift, like a, like an American or United, but um, it's definitely scary. And I don't think we have enough data. And that's pretty much what they came out and said. We don't have enough data to talk more about this, but it's definitely troublesome. And I hope that they're running some tests and, and figuring this out because it is one of the you know most used models that's out there for, for airplanes. Yeah, it was grounded for what felt like forever there. And yeah. that was like the story in travel, you know, pre-pandemic there. And yeah, you don't love hearing this, uh, certainly, as they, you know, you want to be cautious on everything. But again, yeah, it points to the not enough data and, you know, not a lot of us are in those rooms and making those decisions. And that's all sort of tough stuff. But they eventually did ground it, which was the right call and getting things fixed and it's back up and, you know, there hasn't been really any issues. So just had to get that report out there because it is important to the industry and, you know, we got to... Uh, great journalism right there on that too. So yeah. another report came out yesterday and uh, the union representing the American Airlines pilots are authorizing a strike. The Allied Pilots Association represents 15,000 American pilots looking for higher wages and better working conditions with over 99% of participating members voting in favor of authorizing a strike. The airline's uh, CEO said that the company would be willing to match the recent contract ratified between Delta Airlines and its pilots. Delta's deal included $7 billion in pay increases and benefits over four years. So, Ryan, it sounds like, you know, there won't be a strike and things will maybe get settled out because, you know, I don't think an American can afford that. Um, certainly the travel industry in, in general, could, that would be devastating. Any sorts of, you know, pilot strikes there as we already have, you know, a pilot shortage on things. But what, what do you think of this news as you saw it? I don't, I, you know, have a hand in each party or either party, I should say, but I know our world needs pilots. And I also know it takes a long time to train a pilot. Uh, I think it's estimated five years from when they start and, and, and can finally, you know, fly a commercial airplane. Um, they have all the power, the pilots, they have all the power right now. And uh, if it's overpay, I have a feeling they'll get it. That, that, that's really my only feedback. They have all the power. They're going to probably get what they want. Yeah, they, they, it's absolutely needed. There was a new um, proposed bills recently just came out uh, to help address the U.S. pilot shortage. Fi uh, newly filed bipartisan legislation in the House and the Senate would aim to reduce financial barriers for aspiring pilots by raising the federal student loan limit for flight training programs. And they were uh, earlier this year, not too long ago, trying to some people were trying to reduce the hours needed for experience yep. on that and down to, I think like 750 or something like that, but it, it didn't pass and it's staying and it's you need 1500 hours of experience from, to become a commercial airline pilot, which can be earned in two years actually, but it okay, might take years, other okay. people longer. Um, there's yeah. a lot of tests to go into. My brother-in-law is a former pilot and he was always doing tests and stuff. And he uh, used to fly for um, Delta's subsidiary flights and stuff. And yeah, he would tell me all the time that like, You'd be in these classes with these, you know, taking these tests and you're trying to train new people and some people come in and they're, you know, really hungry for it and other people just don't want to treat it like it's a job. And, you know, he would tell me this stuff and I'd be like, man, that's kind of scary that like that people are up there flying like that. But I mean, again, that it goes back to the that's very early in the stages of of when the classes were, he said. But, you know, in 1500 hours, that's a long time. So it can take a while. It needs to. It does, and and I hope uh, I hope the strike doesn't happen. Doesn't sound like it would, but let's uh, let's keep these these flights flying. They're, we travel advisors have too much going on already. We don't need more drama. Oh gosh, yeah, de <laughs> you definitely don't need that. Yes, fingers crossed. All these airlines can get more pilots on the payroll to help combat the nationwide shortage. You know that is facing. That's a challenge for travel. Speaking of challenges, 
The U.S. Travel Association said there's going to be plenty of challenges thanks to the years of underinvestment from the Federal Aviation Administration, but they are predicting a summer travel boom. Um, Global tourism is also closing in on its 2019 pre-pandemic peak, according to new data from the WTTC, World Travel and Tourism Council. Their CEO is going to join me on the podcast later this month, so stay tuned for that in later episodes. But, you know, tourism picking back up, we'd like to see that. The FAA also activated new direct plane routes ahead of summer, so the routes that would should help uh, prevent delays and increase flexibility in operations. Uh, the big one of the big challenges out there is the lack of air traffic controllers, that being a big one that the U.S. Travel Association was talking about. So a lot going on, but it seems like it's going to be a really big summer. So what, what are your thoughts on summer, Ryan, from what you're seeing from you're hearing from clients that you're already sending and, uh, and any, you know, incoming clients looking for summer stuff now? That was a great article, by the way, because it took on the challenges that the industry is facing, but also talked about a lot of the potential good hurdles or, or, or good things down the line. Um, the big challenge that that really caught my eye in the past few weeks is still the issue with Southwest Airlines. Um, you know, at some point, I, I'm calling out an airline. That's probably not smart to call out a billion dollar company. But at some point, you have to do something so you don't have a day or in Christmas, I think it was a week, two weeks of stranded travelers due to the sole fact of dated technology uh, that isn't running correctly. Um, That's a hurdle that we shouldn't have to worry about. And I know that they're not the only airline that's, that's experiencing some technology, uh, technology issues. uh, But at some point, we got to fix these things because there are other companies and other airlines and other businesses that are fixing things and making more technology. You mentioned uh, direct routes and a lot of that's going to help uh, travel within the United States, whether from the Northeast flying down to the Southeast, a lot of it seems to be going right along the coastline. Um, these new routes are going to cut down time. They're going to cut down energy, uh, fuel being used and, all of that saves money in the long run. So we have these tools and capabilities to make travel better for people. We got to do what we can to upgrade our technology and our systems. And yeah, I do think there's a travel boom coming and there's been a travel boom coming for three plus years. My gut is telling me that it's going to be a lot of us based, um, maybe because of financial, uh, I think inflation and politics and elections and war, um, have done a lot the past year to keep people's money in their pockets a little bit more, but also the, the inflation is really expensive for, for certain destinations. If on your bucket list, you want to go to Asia, Europe, Australia, it, it costs a lot just to get there before even thinking about what you're going to spend on lodging, transportation, gifts, uh, you know, everything while you're there. Flights are really expensive. So I could see a real big boom coming in U.S. domestic travel, um, staycations, local local places. Uh, and then a lot of it is last minute. A lot of a lot of travel I can I can see coming is, is last minute to Mexico, Dominican Republic, your your all inclusive Jamaica. Um, these airlines have some empty seats that they are selling and when you're looking forecasting ahead six, seven, eight months, maybe the flight prices are really high. As they get closer, they want to fill those seats because they're losing money with, with each empty seat. And I do see um, last minute flights get pretty inexpensive in, in some reason. And I also think Mexico had a bit of a, a a bad campaign put against them once again. It seems like every year there's a certain destination. Every, that, spring, uh, yeah. every spring, there's some destination that something's going on. And 
while I understand we have to be safe and we got to be smart, there was a lot, there was a lot put out there that I think was inaccurate um, or in, in just heavily uh, exaggerated. Yeah. But there's more. I think it actually helps for consumers because I actually think it made the air costs come back down. And if someone, the hotels are still full, people are still going, but I actually yeah. think it, it, it made it a little bit less expensive. So people are still going to be going and, and maybe that works in our listeners' favor. Yeah, certainly. I mean, Mexico is going to not slow down on tourism anytime soon. It's easy to get to for so many Americans. And, you know, there might be some last minute deals and flights uh, this summer. I don't think there'll be that many, honestly, as far as like price drops or anything like that. I think it's still going to be costly to fly wherever. So, yeah, you'll see more staycations, more drive by, more road, little mini road trips, things like that. Um, As but it'll still be bigger summer than last year. I yeah. don't think it'll be as big as maybe some uh, and maybe, you know, six months ago that I had hoped uh, mm-hmm. now as we get closer due to the pricing of things as far as like, a you know, maybe a, the global scale of tourism and everything. I think, again, points back to the driving thing and then the flying costing so much. But yeah, 2024, I think, is shaping up big. People are booking out in advance from what I've heard from a lot of advisors out there. I'm sure you're, you're seeing that too. People jumping in and, and trying to get things early because you know, the deals are there for, for future stuff, but maybe not so much in you know the next three months here. We're already locking in weddings for the end of 2024. We're working with prospective wedding couples for 2025. So, you know, that's for, for advisors out there, there is money in production in groups and in group travel. So you're, there's always going to be honeymooners. There's always going to be wedding couples. And yes, they are. They are definitely booking out in the future. You're, you're totally right on that. 2025, though, that that's a long it's, engagement. That's a long engagement. A long engagement, <laughs> but, you know, we're, 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 we're working on them. It's, it's, it's crazy. Wow. Jumping over to other destination news, though, the U.S. just lifted its inbound vaccine requirement, just as China is dropping its PCR coronavirus testing requirements for international travelers. And uh, I got to say, Ryan, you know, this is good for the global tourism scale. China's tourism, you know, to slowly bounce back. But I think it's going to take some time, a year or so, before Americans really begin returning back to China in big numbers like before. Would you agree? Oh, totally. Um, I, it's going to take some time. And I also wonder a little bit how much tourism they, they even want at this point. Right. Uh, it, you know, I, it took Asia a little while to open up and certain countries, it took them longer. They took a much more conservative approach to allowing incoming travel. Um, I do know somewhere like Thailand, they're, they're doing a lot of pushes recently, uh, getting advisors out there to tour the countries to then sell it to their prospective clients. So like they, they might've been slow to open, but they want it. Japan, it took a long time for Japan to open. They were very conservative. I, I know they want travel, um, for China. I'm not, I'm not certain what they want yet, but yeah, it's going to take a year. Um, and it goes back to uh, flight costs. Again, the flights yeah. are, are really hard to, to get there. And until that changes, I don't know what's possible. But once you get there, your dollar goes far. It's not doesn't cost much for a hotel. It doesn't cost much for Airbnb, whatever you're doing once you get there. But um, the, the starting point is, is, is hard. It's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah, those, those plane trips are long and those plane trips can be costly. For sure. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Americans hitting up foreign countries, though, many are making their way across the pond this week for the coronation of the king, the new king. So coronation <laughs> travel, if you will. Right. UK is yeah. definitely seeing a big boost this weekend. Uh, the searches for US to UK travel have soared astronomically. So, Ryan, are you into the royal hype or nah? Uh, 
I might get some flack for this. I've never watched The Crown. Is Downton Same. Abbey is that a is that a, a royal family show or is that just UK based? It's just UK. They have rich uh-huh. people in the UK of olden times. It's not actually <laughs> not not yeah, the royals. I mean, the, the closest thing I, I I might be a fan of uh, is Ted Lasso. So is that <laughs> because you know sports, right? Right. But, yeah. Uh, I did see Disney World launch some merchandise for the coronation because you know they never miss a shot to to sell something. So <laughs> that's amazing. Hey, I hadn't seen that. I'm gonna have to look that up after this. Recording. They got mugs, cups, everything. But any reason people get on planes, any reason people want to go somewhere, and especially a really cool destination like London and the the surrounding cities, uh, it's a really easy place to navigate with their with their tube. Uh, it's a really great destination. So it sounds like a perfect reason to want to get away. Yeah, I mean, I love London and UK is a fun place to visit for sure. That's interesting on the on the Disney aspect, but maybe that's a <laughs> shout out too because of the uh, the clause that helped them with the Reedy Creek uh, district situation and the whole DeSantis Disney oh, feud and everything. Maybe maybe they're playing up that too with the whole coronation. Yep. So probably a little something there. But yeah, coronation's May six, so a lot of people heading out that way this year. I'm I not don't really care too much i mean my wife will probably have it on the tv like she did with the weddings and stuff and you know i'll check it out or whatever i like the uk i like i mean i had a, one of my um great trips before i actually ever started working in travel we did a uk trip and it was a blast and really you know boosted my love for international travel i'd really only done uh, one trip before that uh, or two actually and yeah it just expanded that so i you know much love for the uk there but i'm um, not I mean, royal stuff or you know I, I wouldn't fly over for this it's going to be costly for a lot of people but a lot of people love that stuff and they are on top of it for whatever reason but hey do you to each their own right so that wraps up what has been trending in travel any additional thoughts you can drop me an email podcast at travelpulse.com now we're going to jump over to our theme of the week and that's on the travel advisor I, again i was supposed to be in asta for this and have some asta guests on but things didn't happen and here we are and so thank you to ryan for jumping on and talking about travel advisor and um tomorrow is a big day if um i was to record this on tuesday may 2nd but wednesday may 3rd if you're happening to listen to it this day my tra- travel advisor listeners today is your day it's global travel advisor day on Wednesday, May 3rd this year. So, Ryan, let's discuss the value of a travel advisor. Just how vital is a travel advisor in today's travel landscape? You know, what's sort of the true value that you guys bring to the industry? You know, the easiest thing I could compare it to is if you're working on anything for your home. Uh, you know, coincidentally, you just had some issues, <laughs> right? Um, I'm not going to change my floor or maybe uh, replace my water heater. I'm not gonna, they're, they're professionals for a reason and travel advisors are professionals. Um, we have access to sometimes exclusive package costs, which save you money as a consumer, you know, so right off the bat, what can an advisor give you? They can give you the option to save you money. Uh, and in this day and age when inflation is so high, gas prices, food prices, all prices, um, I, that just a little bit, a hundred bucks off a package, $300 off a package, you know, that's, that's huge savings. Um, something else that I, I really think can't be matched valued wise is we know what's trendy. We know what's not. Um, we know where you're going to get good service and where you might not, whether it's a destination or a hotel brand. Um, I have tons of people that come to me with I saw this deal on Expedia for this cost. This is what we're looking at. And you look at the hotel and you know, you're not going to like it there. It's the the rooms might feel dated. The service levels are going to be low. 
we have inside knowledge on what's new, what's doing well, what our clients like, where we're sending people. So I would trust an advisor for, to, to find the feel of the trip you want. Um, in many cases, and I'm not going to say in all cases, but in many cases, uh, the planning services are free. Um, that's a, a, a very interesting argument among the travel agent community and the travel advisor community, um, charging fees versus not charging fees. Every company is a different model, but in many cases it's free to use an advisor. Uh, I know our company VIP vacations, we don't charge fees. Um, we, we do sun and fun and for something, uh, like an all inclusive getaway, it, it might be hard for us to, charge a fee on top of the package cost where someone can go to Expedia and see a package themselves. We, we are often com- combating those online travel agencies, those online companies. Um, but with that being said, just because someone charges a fee doesn't make it a bad choice. Again, you're getting expert knowledge. You know, you're getting that advisor's one-on-one attention. Um, you, you get what you pay for. And, and, and for those advisors that do it, that's awesome. And you have carved out awesome clientele and a great niche. And I hope it continues to work. And I know it will. Um, everyone has a different model. Everyone sells some different products, but again, in, in some cases it's free planning service. Um, next week, we know what companies are reputable. Uh, I'm, I'm speaking a lot on maybe the tour companies or who you're booking the hotel with. Um, I, I do a lot with destination wedding groups and sometimes I get asked to price match things. And I'll, I'll say, sure, I will always price match and I'll do my best to make sure you get the best price. Just send me what you're seeing so I can take a look and make sure you have the right hotel, the right dates, transportation, all that jazz. Um, a lot of the times these people are sending me companies for, uh, or what, or sorry, they're sending me screenshots for companies that are not the most reputable. And you look at their trust pilot reviews, you look at the things people are saying and they are not good. And I would never want to sell my clients a destination where they show up to the hotel and they're told they don't have a reservation or they're told you're bumped to this hotel. And there are a lot of companies out there that offer lower pricing, but don't guarantee your reservation. So we know which company to work with. Um, and if you get, say, say you're traveling to Jamaica and you want to go do uh, the blue lagoon, um, which, you know, some, they have some really cool water, water experiences. You want to go to YS falls and, and go down the river or river rafting. You show up, you're ready for your tour and you're waiting to get picked up and the tour guide's not there and they don't, they don't come for you. You don't have a reservation. Someone j- just totally miffed it. Now you might get your money back, but that's a real big letdown to be ready for something and not have it approved. We work with reputable partners, reputable tour guides, reputable tour companies and tour operators. Um, and you know, I think the most, the most important part is what happens when when something goes wrong. Um, whether we talked about, uh, airline strike, um, it happens more often than you think. And it could be a transportation strike in Germany, which for some reason, Frankfurt, Germany has a, what seems like an airport strike every two months. And coincidentally, it's when my travelers are in Frankfurt, Germany. Um, (laughs) But, you know, when something goes wrong and you need to readjust your flights, sure, you might be able to. You might have some knowledge, but maybe you don't. And maybe you need some extra set of eyes. Um, All right, that that airline is booked, but we can switch you to this city, get you over here, reroute you, boom, 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 it's done. We have more tools and we're there with you. And that's when it's an advisor's time to shine. When things go wrong, 
that's when an advisor's worth is is, is really uh, you know, apparent. Um, so let us help you when 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 issues occur. And that's you know th- those are some of the big reasons to use an advisor. I know I just spouted off uh, you know probably a twenty minute diatribe, but I don't know. You, you got any feedback there? <laughs> it was great stuff. I mean, all valid points, all great insights, and I think you know the key takeaway from from me, you know, not being an advisor here is the whole when things go wrong, like, you know, and the point that you made of like, sometimes you might be paying a fee, sometimes you might not be paying a fee. And if you, if that's a big stickler for you, as finances are for a lot of people, you, you know, work with an advisor, you don't pay a fee. And then, oh, crap, something did go wrong. Hey, now I've got an advisor. And you're, if you didn't have an advisor, and you didn't pay a fee, and you paid a similar rate or whatever, but now you don't have anybody in your corner to help you out. And that's, I think, the big thing with the value that a travel advisor truly brings in this industry. And, you know, the financial savings are great too. I mean, one of um, some advisors I've talked to in the past on on here have talked about how they've been able to score like a free air package for, for clients. And where are you finding that sort of thing? You know, you, you find that from a, an advisor and that's where the consumers definitely need to go. And we're seeing an uptick in that a little bit. Recent research from ASA showed that 68% of Americans believe planning a trip is more complex than before. And 50% of people are more likely to use a travel advisor today than they were in a, in the past. That's a 14% increase year over year. So are, are you seeing that too? Are you getting like new perspective? It's VIP vacations, I guess, because I know you do a lot with weddings and groups, but I mean, you're seeing that more too? I, I do think so. Now, the only thing that gives me a little bit of wariness is um, travel advisor community and the agent community, I think it has uh, some downfalls and some things we have to combat. Um, and a lot of that is certification and, you know, credentials and making sure you're working with a, a really good advisor. Um, it's really easy to become an advisor. It, it, you can take some book work, you can just go get hired and, and do X, Y, and Z. Um, it's really easy to, to wake up and become a travel agent, uh, and, and work for uh, be an outside agent for a company. And that sometimes gives agents bad names because, you know, those, those people that aren't seasoned, aren't battle tested might leave a bad taste in the, the person that they're planning, you know, in their mouth. Um, so for advisors, I think it's really important to get some credentials, get some credentials and display them, take the, take the coursework to up your game, get a CTA, um, become a CTC certified travel advisor, certified travel consultant, there's usually a time commitment behind there to, you know, show you've been in the industry X amount of years. Um, there's some book work, there's some knowledge you have to present, but in the long run, I think showing that, you know, that knowledge base and to, to your prospective clients is really important. will distinguish you from the person that might be just doing it on the side for their very first time. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. But I think it's a potential pitfall that, you know, some people have used an advisor and aren't happy about it. And I think that that might be one of the biggest reasons why. Yeah, word of mouth is so huge with a lot of things with, with the travel advisor community. I've learned since working here at Travel Pulse and, you know, you guys do so many things off referrals and, and that's huge, you know, and but there are the very few incidents of, you know, poor advisors doing a bad job or there's, you know, a scam that's happened, you know, rarely mm-hmm. here and there. So that's, so those are some of the, you know, 
misconceptions of working with an advisor and, you know, advisors themselves have to combat that. So I think that's great advice, you know, up your certification certification game, if you will, and really promote that out there would be my takeaway. Any other, you know, um, myths or misconceptions of, of working with an advisor and how, how do you think advisors should combat that or any other uh, closing advice here as we wrap up on the show? I think a big misconception is that you're going to pay more. Um, and that's even, even if you're working with an agent that has a service fee up front, I don't think you're going to pay more because they have some insider knowledge and help find, you know, the, the right balance for you. So if you're thinking about using an advisor, the, the, the big reason is because they're going to save you money and time and time is also money. So that's, that's twice the money um, for, for advisors out there. Just keep valuing yourself and your education uh, don't stop learning. Don't, don't, you know, fall into pitfalls and just get stagnant. Uh, there's a lot of great industry events that are designed for advisors of different levels, whether it's, uh, younger adults, older adults, managers. Um, I know you and you and I both attended one in different years that, uh, is, is near and dear to both of our hearts, the future travel leaders. Um, you know, there, it's a great program for, uh, the 25 to 37, 24 to 37, something like that ages. Um, and you know, you get a boatload of knowledge and another company that's launching some, some education experience is the allies society travel.allies, uh, is the website travel.allies. They have young leaders, they have female leaders in the industry, uh, up and coming managers. So I would just say attend these conferences, um, if, if you want some more information, I know, I know Eric's got some on, on future leaders. I got some on the travel allies, go to their website, but like that, that these, it's more than just travel knowledge too. It's, it's also uh, business management and managerial experience and training. So if you want to grow your game, you got to keep working. You know, if you're an athlete, you can't just show up day in and day out and expect yourself to always be the best. There's working out, there's running, there's videotape that goes in behind the scenes. You put it, you put it forward and it comes back and this industry is no different. You got to keep training. Yeah. Very well said on that. And yeah, future leaders applications are actually going to be launching later this week. So stay tuned more on travel pulse for, for how you can apply for that for my young folks out there. Or if you are an older folk, I guess, uh, and you know, younger advisors that this would be very beneficial to them. Uh, again, it goes, this peer to peer networking too is very essential and you can lean on other folks in the industry to help guide you along the way, you know, find a mentor as well. If you can out there, if you're younger in this, or if you're just, it doesn't have to be younger in this, if you're newer in this too, and, and you really want to thrive in this space, that's going to help you out there for sure. So thanks for all the great insight, Ryan. I mean, Shout out to ASTA as well. That's an organization that people, advisors out there should look into and join. They advocate on your behalf too. So again, thank you, Ryan, for joining and uh, talking all things travel, man. Anything you want to plug uh, where people can get in touch with you or follow you or all that good stuff? Add me on the Instagram. I always want to link up with my travel people. Ryan's with an S on the road. Ryan's on the road. Um, for more information on some of the allies events that, that our team is helping with, travel.allies. Um, we have the female leaders coming up June 3rd through the 7th at the Majestic Mirage, Punta Cana, the Elevate leaders, uh, that's in October for, for maybe some more seasoned professionals. Um, we also have a young leaders and travel council too. So again, I attend other companies, uh, conferences and there's, there's, there's tons of growth opportunities. So please, please keep uh, supporting these companies. 
definitely go to future leaders. Uh, as Eric said, it's not just peer to peer, but it's, it's all the above your, your meeting marketing, uh, getting marketing advice, meeting big tour operators that you might want to partner with, but also you're seeing a destination firsthand. So a lot, a lot of cool experiences available out there. And thanks again for having me. I can't wait for the next one that, that we're going to work on together. Absolutely. Thanks, Ryan. I really appreciate it. So that's all the time we have for the podcast this week. Thank you guys for listening. Big stuff on river cruising coming up next week's show. So be sure to stay tuned and on the lookout for that next Tuesday. So thank you again for listening. Have a great week. <laughs>